With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second official, but technically the first, because Mike and I sort of did the pilot episode behind all of your backs, episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts, uh, the weekly podcast all about the New York Rangers, hosted by myself, Joe Fortunato, and Mike Murphy. We are both associated with Blue Shirt Panther, SB Nation's home of the New York Rangers. Mike, how are you doing today? How are you doing today, Mike? Hello. I think I lost Mike, which is interesting. This is a great start for this. Um, Mike, can you hear me now? I just heard unmuted. Can you hear me now? Oh, there we go. Yes, I hear you. Okay, I apologize, everybody. What, Joe, what have you done? Muted. See, this is what we started to avoid, and now we have actually completely <laughs> damaged the entire situation. So, I uh, should I, I will... tell the listeners about how you misspelled the word "managing editor" on uh, on the iTunes. Yeah, that, that was the pilot. So for... we're allowed to make those mistakes yeah. during the pilot. We are we are not permitted to uh, to make them now, even though I just did. Um, so, as I was saying. Welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is the second episode. We did a pilot, which a lot of you downloaded. I want to thank all of you for the support. There was a lot more uh, downloads than I expected. It is very overwhelming. A lot of you sent me emails, sent me notes that let us know that you had been looking for this for a while. So we definitely appreciate those. We appreciate the support. For those of you who don't totally know, uh, you can download these episodes on iTunes after the fact. You can also subscribe to us there. You can download them on Blog Talk Radio directly at blogtalkradio.com slash blueshirtbanter. So uh, there's the places that you can actually get the episode. Uh, the music was created by my very own brother, Connor Murphy, who put it together for us, and I thought it was pretty good. So thank you, Connor. And he is uh, helping contribute here as he is also the co-host of Rink Around the Rosies, which is his and Mike's podcast about the Riveters. Mike? I'll try for a second time. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I was saying before, apparently to uh, no one in particular, because you would put me on mute accidentally, that I already know that I'll need to develop a new skill, which is unscrewing a water bottle with one hand, since I oh, yes. do this podcast through my cell phone. So uh, need last, to work bit on technical, that. last bit of technical notes from me. I listened to us uh, on the pilot, and I hated the way my voice sounded. I think the microphone did not do my, uh, I've been told I have the voice of an angel. Uh, it did not do it justice. 
So I went out and bought myself a fancy new podcast microphone from the fine folks over at Amazon. So hopefully this sounds a little bit better. Um, but let's... If an angel worked in like, like, you know, a sandwich truck that made like pulled pork sandwiches, that's what that angel would sound like. Well, would you not You're want very sandwiches? Thick. <laughs> I, I always want sandwiches. Um, right now, gonna, I want a sandwich. We're going to start with the McDonough and Simmons situation, the McDonough injury, and then we're going to sort of go on a little bit of an adventure from there. Mike and I have a couple of topics we want to talk about. Not totally sure what we're going to get through. Right now, we have this mm-hmm. scheduled for 45 minutes. So at 8.45, this will end. And then if Mike and I go beyond that, you'll have to catch the rest of it uh, on a downloaded episode, be it from Blog Talk Radio or from iTunes. So we may just do that to force all of you to download it to boost our download numbers. But Mike, you know the situation. You saw it for those of you who watched the Flyers game. Wayne Simmons uh, gave McDonough a sucker punch after McDonough and him got into it. McDonough kind of cross-checked him in the head. Uh, I don't like saying it that way because I'm not sure it was as intentional as Simmons' punch was to McDonough. But McDonough was out for the game. Simmons did not receive a suspension. McDonough missed the next game, and now he has a concussion. Mike, what are your thoughts on that situation? Uh, it reminds me, uh, Travis Hughes, who you know, runs the hockey network at SB Nation and uh, also runs Broad Street Hockey, uh, pointed out that you know Elaine Vigneault was really upset about the fact that Simmons didn't get anything. And he also pointed out the fact that um, I think his comments were something along the lines where if it was Crosby, what would, you know, what would the consequences be? But, and Travis Hughes pointed out, you know, a famous, relatively famous gift or vine where uh, Mark Stahl goes to uh, give Crosby a stick across, across the, uh, the letters on the back of his jersey and, uh, his stick instead catches him in the back of the head. And it reminded me a lot of what happened with McDonough and Simmons. I, without con- You can't look at just the punch to understand what happened because the reason Simmons was so incensed and pissed off is because he took the stick to the back of the head. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but if I take a, a shot to the back of the head, uh, I'm going to get a little bit upset. So... Uh, I do think it was a case of the stick kind of riding up. And so, you know, I, I tried to find different angles of it. I could only find the one angle of it where you have to uh, tolerate the the pretty amazing flyers uh, call of it where, you know, they make sure to insist that McDonough is, should get something for acting and all that good stuff. Meanwhile, of course, he has a concussion. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Of course, they didn't know that, but um it's a it's a real problem i think because i understand pretty much every every argument for it but you can't escape the fact that the play resulted in an injury and the rules are really clear about that i mean what do you think do you think he should have got a should have got a game or two games or i mean i think he should have gotten something um, I think the NHL has kind of taken a, a hard line with their, we really want to cut down on the, the shots to the head and the hits to the head stance that they don't really do a great job of. I don't think the Department yeah. of Player Safety really has anyone's uh, support or really confidence that they're going to do the right thing. I think the there's definitely an argument to be made on both sides. I mean, Flyers fans had two different takes on the matter. The first was that McDonough was faking it. 
which I think we all realize is clearly not the case, especially now that he's missing time with the concussion. And the other one was that, yeah, McDonough cross-checked him in the head. I, I don't disagree with Simmons for being upset about that. I agree with you, Mike. I think the stick rode up on him a little bit. And to me, those types of plays where someone gets their stick up and they, they kind of get somebody in the head happen a lot more often than, um, say, Simmons kind of sucker punching McDonough in the jaw. The, the other thing is Simmons played the next day against Washington. He obviously wasn't suspended. And he did the same thing in Washington. There was a scrum, and I don't know who it was, but he punched the guy with the glove on in the head just like he did to McDonough. So it, it's pretty clear that in these instances things aren't working. Um, Kintal, who is the president of the Department of Player Safety, met with Jeff Gordon, and they had a discussion. I don't know what they specifically talked about, but it was, I believe it was after the comments that Vigneault made about Crosby, which, by the way, I hate because for that reason, uh, look, I hate Crosby as much as everybody else does, but I don't think it makes the Rangers look good to make those types of analogies. It felt very John Tortorella to me, um, but they had a conversation. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Yeah. What came of that, I have no idea, but uh, they did something. So this sort of brings us to our next point. McDonough is injured, and there's two injuries that come with something like that, a hit like that to the face. It's either a concussion, which it is, or a broken jaw. And the problem for the Rangers is it's a concussion, which really has no timetable for when he's going to come back, what the situation is going to be. You've seen guys get a concussion and they've come back a few days later, not even miss any time. You've seen a guy get a concussion like Michael Sauer and he doesn't come back at all. Obviously those are the two extremes of the situation, but something is going on with McDonough. He's missed a couple of games. Uh, do the Rangers have a, a real suitable backup plan? There was some talks that they weren't totally comfortable inserting Dylan McElrath into the lineup because they didn't, they wouldn't want to mess up the left right balance of the defense. Uh, do you like the way the defense looked? Granted, you'd rather have McDonough in, but with McDonough out and McElrath in the lineup, Mike? Uh, I thought McElrath was fine. I, uh, I think that, I was one of the people who was critical of him kind of from the word go, although I wasn't always, you know, I, I don't blame him for being drafted where he was and who was drafted after him and all that. Cause it's, you can't really, you know, judge a player on that. That's it's much like the department of player safety is, has, you know, it's capable of making mistakes cause it's run by human beings. You know, there's always going to be human error. Um, but I, you know, I look at, I look at the blue line now and it's not so much worrying about Makarath. It's just the, it's funny because I think a lot of Rangers fans have spent so much time, you know, talking about how Girardi has been dragging McDonough down. And now with McDonough gone, it's, it's almost like this, this open wound on the defense that's been Dan Girardi is even more exposed. And that's, that's really the, you know, the the reaction and the impression I get of what, what the issue is here moving forward. And uh, again, you know, against the Devils, a, a terrible Girardi turnover was one of the, the low lights of the night, as it always seems to be. So, um, I don't know. I can't, I can't say much about, you know, with just the one one game sample size where, you know, they, the team played really, really well up until, you know, things got a little scary kind of needlessly towards the end. But uh, I'd like to see McElrath get put into a position where he can succeed. And that means seeing more ice time than he did last, you know, the last game they played. Cause it's 
think he was at the bottom the the bottom of the list in ice time and I'm pretty sure Yandel was at the top, although I, I, I don't know if that's right off the top of my head. But I mean, did you? What was your reaction on McElrath getting getting into the lineup again and getting some ice time? I, that's I think what surprised me because we saw McElrath come in and he saw very little. I think it was against Minnesota before they played the Flyers, and he saw like 11 minutes. And it, it's those sort of with the Klein injury where you look at Vigneault and you think to yourself, okay, he obviously does not trust McElrath to really play big minutes. But my issue with that is I really do believe McElrath has outplayed half of the players who are playing in front of him. And to your point, Mike, one of the comments that I made, I think i made it on the site in my story, it, the glue of the top four really is Ryan McDonough because you're looking at a, a top four that has Girardi installed, McDonough, and then it's either Kevin, I mean, it really is Kevin Klein, but sometimes it's Yandel, sometimes it's Dan Boyle, but Girardi and McDonough are really together at the hip. So when you remove McDonough from that equation, you have a couple of different options. And Vigneault kind of ran through the gambit against the Devils. The pairing that I like the most is the McElrath-Yandel pairing. Uh, I put up a graph in the story that day about how the Rangers are going to handle the McDonough injury that that's been one of the Rangers' best pairings. It's suppressing shots and holding possession. And there's also the girardi stall pairing, which is probably the worst pairing the Rangers have had in that those two categories. That's a slow pairing, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. Adam, who is in the chat, so he will appreciate the shout-out. Uh, Adam Herman, who writes for the website, he's returned from his little stint at MSG. Um, he made the point that the past couple of games, Girardi has done a much better job being a passenger to McDonough instead of actually being a detriment. And obviously that's not something you want out of your $5.5 million defenseman, but it's a lot better than him dragging the possession down. And I think that Girardi was just sort of getting there. And I don't think Girardi played a terrible game against the Devils, but like you said, there's that one or two mistakes that really stands out. And when you're winning a one goal game, you know, Keith Yandel made the biggest mistake of the night with that cross ice pass with two minutes left that has no chance to Girardi that turns into the two on one. But I think the biggest takeaway from McDonough going down with an injury isn't that it's forcing McElrath to actually play, but it's forcing Vigneault to make Yandel the number one defenseman that he really should have been from the beginning. Yandel saw 25 minutes against the Flyers. He saw over 27 minutes against the Devils. And I thought the Rangers looked much better when he was on the ice rather than when he was off the ice. I mean, what did you think about that? Oh, you know, I, I have a high opinion of Yandel and I think, you know, you look at what what he can bring, and there's a reason why he's now supposedly the most, you know, I would say arguably the most interesting defenseman that seems to be available on uh, on the trade market, and that's because, you know, he has the history of being a, an exceedingly, you know, productive defenseman on a power play in Arizona, and uh, you know, on top of that, he's not that bad at five on five. I mean, he's he's has a still, you know, he's not not that old yet. And he has had along with the you know the Coyotes franchise of eating up big ice time. And you know, I I like it's it's really easy to look at the kind of crazy mistake he made, but that's that's what you get when you have Keith Handel. You get big offensive plays, and you get him contributing the offense and doing things that guys like, you know, Girardi, Stahl, McDonough, they can't do. 
but then you also get, you know, them taking chances with passes that maybe they shouldn't. And that's, that's what you get when you get a defenseman who's, you know, capable of scoring 20 power play points in a season, you know, that's, that's come, that's part of the deal. So um, what's really interesting to me is how kind of locked down and good the defense felt and looked, you know, a season or two ago and how, you know, I've, I've heard people starting to talk Girardi buyout and, you know, with the handle on the, the block and now this, you know, knock on wood, there's nothing serious with McDonough, but, you know, with this, the concussion of McDonough and, you know, if, if not for a few interesting defensive prospects in the, in the pipes, I think I'd be a lot more concerned than I am, but it's a, it's not a good situation. The, the strength of the team for a long time was that, that blue line group. And right now, um, especially with the captain out, it's, you know, and not many teams can, would still look great with a player of McDonough's caliber out, but, you know, things look pretty damn shaky. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what the Rangers are going to do from here. And, you know, if, if you can trade Girardi, I think you have to, you must trade Girardi. You also can't just get nothing for Yandel. So there is a very remote possibility that both Girardi and Yandel will be traded. And at that point, what the hell does the defense look like? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, the other, I'm going to jump into two parts for two points after what you said, but part of, I think the silver lining of McDonough going down and again, knock on wood that it's nothing serious for his life before hockey, because as you see with sour, this is obviously something that can uh, dramatically impact the way that a player lives their lives with their families. But last night, the Rangers had 10 minutes of power play time. Gandal played eight minutes of it. That's the first time I can remember that Vigneault has honestly sat there and said, I'm riding Yandel on the power play the way that I'm supposed to be doing. Yandel yeah. is still only seeing two minutes and 30 seconds of power play time at night. Now, that is fourth on the team behind Zuccarello and Broussard, and it is second amongst defensemen to Dan Boyle's two minutes and 35 seconds a night. At this point, yeah. Yandel is going to play the lowest power play time on ice per game in his career. And there's a reason why a lot of people are looking and saying, oh, Gamble really hasn't been as effective as he's supposed to be. Well, it's probably because he's not being used properly. And if there's anything that comes from this in a positive light, it needs to be that the brass needs to look at Yandel being played like a number one defenseman because Vignola doesn't have a choice and stepping up to the plate. He was the Rangers' best defenseman last night, bar none. And when he was on the ice on the power play, the power play didn't score, but it looked dangerous. And there are times when you need to separate yourself from power plays scoring or not scoring, meaning success or failure, because it's not that black and white. And the Rangers are simply a better, more offensive team when Yandel's on the ice than when he isn't. So if the team as a whole takes a look at this time without McDonough and says, you know what, Yandel's actually stepping up. We need to do something about this. We need to keep him. Then I think this has honestly worked out for the best because Larry Brooks in his column, I think it was yesterday or today, made a comment that Yandel needs to be untouchable now because McDonough's hurt. Well, Yandel should have been untouchable from the beginning because he was the Rangers' most consistent defenseman from the start of the season to the end. And if the Rangers have not come to a resolution in their minds about what they're going to do with Yandel yet, they've sort of missed the boat because there's a lot of decisions that need to be made at this point for what they're going to do with Yandel. If they're going to sign Yandel, they got to move someone. And it's going to be Dan Girardi or Mark Stahl. 
And I'm in the camp that a lot of other realistic Rangers fans are, which is that either A, the Rangers don't want to move them, or B, the Rangers don't really think there's a move to make before the trade deadline for both of them. But in that situation, you better be damn well sure that you know what kind of numbers Yandel's looking for so that the contract negotiations don't get ugly over the summer. And you better be sure that you have a move ready to move one of those contracts to keep him around. Because the minute the trade deadline passes, if Yandel is still a New York Ranger, he has lost all of his trade value. The value that you get out of Yandel, even if he is a rental, is so much more than the quote-unquote exclusive negotiating rights that you get before the draft. So I'm curious, Mike, do you think the Rangers made a decision internally about what they're going to do with Yandel? I'm not sure if the Rangers have so much as the salary cap has. I mean, it's, you know, what realistically, what can you do with all the, you know, key players who are pending RFAs? And, you know, you you look at the the position of power that Yandel, you know, I think is Yandel had a lot of power in terms of contract negotiation, um, you know, in the fall. And can I can't imagine you know, how much more over the barrel the Rangers can be at this point. I mean, with, you know, if, if they are interested in trying to keep him around and, and getting him a contract extension, I remember, you know, we haven't heard a lot out of that from, from either camp all season long. And we were told not to expect it. I think it was a Brooks piece um, a couple months back, but um, I don't, I don't know where he fits in with every, you know, with everyone else that ha- that has to get signed and you know, it's it's one of my favorite things is, you know, all right, well, we'll either end up moving Stahl or Girardi, but where? For what? You know, it's it's, you know, we're a great example today with the the Dion Phaneuf trade, the nine-player trade and you know, everyone's joking it's like a you know, it's like an EA Sports NHL trade because you just kind of just throw assets at at the trade until you know, the computer says it works, but half the reason that trade was what it was is because the salary cap, you know, money has to move. It has to equal each other. Um, Girardi's contract is a nightmare. It's a nightmare made out of, you know, millions of dollars. And Stahl's is not much better. I mean, Girardi is everyone's favorite scapegoat, but Mark Stahl is not a lot better than, you know, it's, I, I'm, granted, I would definitely take Stahl over Girardi if I had to be stuck with one of them. But right, it's, yeah. It's closer than a lot of people like to think it is. I, I mean, that's sort of my take on the situation as well. If you could only remove one, you remove Girardi. I, I think Stahl's a much better skater, and I think we saw with the Anton Strawman pairing that if you put Stahl with the right type of player, you can really You shouldn't say Strawman's name. You know what that'll yeah, do to the people. You're right. I've, I've, for the 24 users <laughs> that are live in the chat, they've become incensed. Yeah. Um, but that, I, I, so this is pure speculation, and I want to make that clear before I, I really say anything. Um, but I just have this weird feeling that there's just the tiniest bit of smoke that Mark Stahl is the type of guy that you could move at the deadline, that a team who's a contender looking to make some ads is willing to take on. Because like we talked about, Perception is reality, and sometimes in hockey, a name means a lot more than the actual play on the ice. And I don't know why, but I can just see Dallas kind of making a move, or maybe a a young rebuilding team like the Buffalo Sabres might try to pick them up for the cheap just to add a veteran presence to the lineup. 
Again, I'm speculating, but that's some of the things that I can see happen. Now, Stahl has a no trade clause, if I'm not mistaken. So that's something that definitely needs to be addressed. But I, I don't like the yeah, ideology yeah. that you can't move someone because they have a no trade clause or because they have a no movement clause. It, it happens all the time. And if Jeff Gordon or Vigneault yeah, pulls Girardi or Stahl aside and says, hey, listen, we have a deal for you that we want to make. And obviously, it's your call if you want to get traded or not. But if you don't, there's not really a place for you here. That's a much different conversation than, hey, do you want to make your, uh, you know, you want to waive your no movement clause? It, it, hockey players are proud people. They, uh, they would not take too kindly to just sitting on the bench, not doing anything or the press box, not doing anything. So those are obstacles that you can get over. But I, part of the concern that I have is uh, today Darren Dreger uh, made a report about the defensemen that he thought were still on the trading block. Yandel's name wasn't on there. Um, Pierre, excuse me, Elliot Friedman did a uh, column, his 30 Thoughts column, which if you're not reading, you should be. It's one of the best hockey columns out there. He did, uh, his, in his 30 Thoughts, said that with the McDonough injury, he thinks the Rangers are incapable of moving Yandel right now. Um, and then I think it was uh, LeBron over at uh, ESPN made the comment that he thought the Rangers were willing to make a cup run with Yandel and then yet let Yandel walk for nothing at the end of uh, the season. So those are three relatively in the know uh, sources and really in most cases very much so in the know who kind of have this inkling that the New York Rangers are not looking to trade Keith Yandel. Now, that might because, be because Yandel's name isn't included in trade rumors that they hear about. I mean, let's not forget that the Dion Phaneuf stuff came out of nowhere today. But if nothing else, Phaneuf should be proof that you can get rid of these bad contracts. And the Leafs have done quite a bit of it. And if you can sell a team out on the West that doesn't really subscribe to the fancy stats and they don't really care about any of that stuff and they still think that Girard is a shutdown defenseman because the Rangers are playing them like a shutdown defenseman and same thing for Mark Stahl and you can make that move, then all the power to you, because I agree with you. If that move is on the table and the Rangers don't take it, shame on them. And at some point, those two contracts are going to become untouchable, and those two contracts are going to be something that everybody stays away from. And the Rangers are already today feeling the effects of those contracts. And imagine what it's going to be like next year or the year after. And something you said, Mike, that I forgot about with my ADD, but now I remember, which was a lot of the defense that people make about Girardi and Stahl who, who don't see those them as problems is, well, we went to the Stanley Cup final two years ago. We went to the Eastern Conference final last year with this defense for the most part, plus Yandel. So how are we that much worse? And the answer is you lose Strawman, who's probably at that time one of, if not your best defensive defenseman. And Girardi and Stahl just crashing to earth. It, it happens dramatically. To regress like that happens dramatically. And regress really isn't the right word because they're getting worse. But the drop-off for aging defensemen is not a pretty one. Just ask Wade Redden. And he even did a story about it and talked about it, how tough it is, especially when you're a big, bruising defenseman. And Girardi's got all sorts of lumps and bruises, and he's not getting any faster. And he's hurt. He's still playing. And I just don't see him getting any better. So... For the New York Rangers, no, it's, it's, it's a scary thing. He's 31 going on 32 this, this season. He's turning 32, and his contract is until 2019-2020. That's, that's not a good recipe when we've already seen what happens when he starts to lose, you know, a fraction of the step. When, you know, like you said, it happens 
when it when it goes, it goes quickly. And you know, the NHL is very much a young man's game. It's the great equalizer is speed. And when you lose when you lose your feet, no matter what position you play, I mean, look at look at what uh, how emotional losing Ryan Callahan was. What sort of player is Ryan Callahan right now in Tampa? He's, right, that, and that is a shadow of what he was in New York. It gets overlooked that when Callahan was traded, I think there was a, a big portion of the fan base that honestly understood that that was a, a necessary evil. And there was another portion of the fan base who were like, we're trading our captain, we don't root for laundry, we're rooting for the New York Rangers, this is ridiculous. Callahan's contract is a big reason why the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the fix they're in right now with the Steven Stamco situation. And Callahan is what? Yeah, 14 points on the year, contract. I think. These players break down. And you, as a general manager, you need to be cold-blooded. You really do. You cannot pay a player today for tomorrow for something that they did yesterday. Girardi was a very good defenseman at one point in his career. Um, so was Mark Stahl. Mark Stahl was never the same after the eye injury, as much as you hate to say it. Dan Girardi has really kind of fallen off the cliff the past couple of years. The Rangers needed to be a little bit smarter with those decisions. And one of my biggest gripes with the Keith Yandel acquisition is the Rangers went out of their way to get him. They moved your 1A prospect, and I put him and Bucinevich on the same level in terms of, uh, you know, the level of a prospect. Uh, You trade one of them away in a farm that's already very, very barren of top prospects. And then... You move another first-round pick. You move John Moore, who's a serviceable defenseman in New Jersey. You sign Yandel, and there's no backup plan. There's no foresight to say, huh, we're going to have to sign him in a year and a half because of how much we gave up to get him. And by the way, here's this stall contract extension, and we have no room to do anything. And now the Rangers have a a plethora of players. I mean, McElrath, I'm not including Boyle, and I'm not including Yandel, but I'm also not including Pae. Miller, Hayes. Stahlberg, I'm not going to include, and Kreider, who are pending restricted free agents. So what do you do with this money? The Rangers need to make cap space, most likely, just to sign everybody that they want to sign. And Miller is becoming more expensive by the day. Kreider looks like he might be figuring out his game. He's going to become more expensive by the day. What do the Rangers do from here? I mean, do you have... you know, that's sort of the question right now. And my fear is that if the Rangers don't trade Yandel for assets and they don't intend to keep him, then it's this uh, merry-go-round of, oh, we're a contender, we're going to totally be a contender. I mean, let me ask you a question, Mike. Right now, the way that the, the team is constructed, if they don't do anything else and Ryan McDonough comes back and he's fully healthy, should this team be considered a true Stanley Cup contender? With how good Washington is, no. Um, right. I agree with you. Washington now, is just, it's up and down. It's lineup is a night is it's terrifying. That's an amazing team. Holtby's the real deal. Um, uh, you know, it's, I can't finish this thought without making a point to mention, you know, it's Henrik Lundqvist is still in the, in the crease. So, and you know, you know, I said speed is a great equalizer. Great goaltending can win series in Stanley Cups. You know, it's uh, it's a tough it's a tough call to make. I think that as the team stands right now, I mean, when you look up and down the lineup at the production, like 
the offense isn't coming from a lot of people we're expecting it from. And if if people, if, you know, a lot of players start scoring their way, you know, they're supposed to, and, you know, getting Nash back and, get you know, getting McDonough back, you know, if, if all those things start to happen. But, you know, every team has to deal with these things, you know. And, you know, of course, I'd be remiss to not mention something about Nash's history of scoring in the playoffs. But, um, you know, it's it's this is not an easy conference and it's not an easy division. Pittsburgh's finding its game. Uh, you know, right now Latang and Crosby are probably the two most dangerous players in the league. So you can't you can't look at the Rangers' chances and feel great. You just can't. And I know you know they've gotten past Pittsburgh in the past. And they've gotten past Washington and all that stuff. But this that's yesterday doesn't matter. What matters is what what the Rangers will go up against right now in Washington. And that's a team that will, in my opinion, just, you know, win the, win a series in five games, really. Yeah. I mean, that's this. So that was the second part of my question that you, you jumped ahead, but um, there were definitely, there are people here who are saying I talk too much, but I have things to say. So I have to speak to say them. Uh, by the way, someone called in, um, you're currently holding, you're at a 718 area code. We're not taking calls this show. That's probably something we, we do intend to start doing a little bit down the line. But as seen by the incident where I muted my when we started, uh, we're, we can't take you right now because I have no idea what's going to happen. I have to figure out the, uh, the studio first. So I apologize for that. Um, but to your point, Mike, the second question that I was going to ask you was, do you think the Rangers could go to the Stanley Cup because of Henrik Lundqvist dragging them there this year? And the answer to that question, like you said, is it, not – would you expect it? No. Would you bet on it? No, but it could happen. So the, the point that I'm trying to make is that for the New York Rangers, I think you need to sort of separate yourself from that. And it's a, are the Rangers true cup contenders? And the answer is no. And B, could the Rangers get there with Lundqvist? And if that answer is yes, that doesn't necessarily mean that you go for it. The, the point that I made and the terminology that I'm using is refinancing the mortgage. The Rangers refinanced the mortgage last year when they traded for Keith Yandel. Like you're pushing all of your future problems away another year to go for the Stanley Cup. And that's great. But when I did my review of that trade, the caveat was this is the worst trade you can make if you don't win the Stanley Cup. And if you do make the, win the Stanley Cup, nobody mm. thinks about it. If you thought about all the deals that the Rangers made in 94 to get to the Stanley Cup, if they lost game seven, it would have been an unmitigated disaster. It would have been, uh, they would have been lambasted for all the youth that they traded away to get to the veterans that didn't even stay with the team very long, but they won the Stanley Cup. So nobody talks about it. The Rangers didn't win the Stanley yeah. Cup last year. Duclair looks like he's going to be something special in Arizona. The Rangers don't look like they're winning the Stanley Cup this year. So at some point you need to cut bait. And Henrik Lundqvist is 33 years old. So this is the other, that's the other problem. To me, you you can't leave Lundqvist out to dry either because he's put too much time into this organization and he's done too much. Um, But that's my point. I don't think the Rangers need to rebuild. Uh, Rebuilding is for teams that have very little youth. They don't have a core. There's a change of mentality is needed. They need a complete overhaul. That's not the New York Rangers. You take away a couple of their problems, take away a Girardi, take away a Stahl, replace them with McElrath, Brady Shea is coming up next year. You have a lot of solutions to those issues. And I think that the Rangers need to retool rather than rebuild. 
And that's a lot different than, hey, we're going to blow things up and start over again, which is why it's so maddening that the team is sitting here and saying, oh, you know, Daniel Paez is the answer to our penalty kill woes. Okay, that's great. Well, he actually didn't help at all. Okay, well, we're going to keep him on the fourth line while Rick Nash is hurt. Okay, that's great. But there's options in Hartford that they should be giving opportunities to. If McElrath is in McElrath, excuse me, if McDonough doesn't get hurt, McElrath isn't getting into the lineup. The Rangers should have really used this year as an opportunity for him to sort of get antiquated with playing a full 82-game season because you might need him in the playoffs. Who knows how long McDonough is going to be out, and who knows what's going to happen next year with Dan Boyle leaving if the Rangers can't keep Keith Yandel. So, I mean, do you first, do you agree with that, Mike, that it doesn't necessarily need to be a rebuild, it needs to be a retool? Yeah, I think the rebuild is dramatic. Um, I think that if the Rangers don't make a real concentrated effort to, you know, as much as a shame as it might be to not win a cup in the Henrik Lundqvist era, I think, you know, looking back, it's it's very easy to, you know, the hindsight of everything is easy with, you know, getting McElrath in early this year and, you know, getting a better idea of what he can give us. But I think it's a, it's a dangerous road of thought to go down with, you know, how many times they they swung, you know, they swung at the that, that pitch and the full count. They really, really wanted to get to the cup finals with Lundqvist because we believe that that would be, that's like, you know, ever since we all realized how good Hank was, that was kind of what we were waiting for, that moment where if we just get there, Hank will get it done. And it didn't happen. And... Now it's this bizarre game of, you know, watching Henrik get older and looking at the pieces around. And, you know, I, even I catch myself saying, well, you know, if this is how good Hayes, Kreider, and Miller are this year, how good will they be next year? Hank will only be 34, you know, and we'll, we'll be saying the same story two years from now. You know, it's you you can't always trade away all the assets you have on deadline day and, you know, trade away you know the the seeds that you might be able to plant out of the draft picks and get something because you you can't build a team that way you know it's it's not it's different than the 94 era where we could just throw money at every problem that existed because there's no salary cap just you know how much does that cost that uh, doesn't matter um it's it's a different sort of problem and and I think the reality that a lot of people might not like to hear is that what might be the best idea is to just recognize this team can get to the playoffs, but we shouldn't squander assets, including draft picks, to try and get us to the Eastern Conference Finals and then not pass that, because I'm not sure there's enough there to get us past that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that, and I think that these, these short-sighted moves really don't help, especially when you're on the cusp of this window closing. And I think if the Rangers walk into next year with Girardi and Stahl in their top four and continuing to play big minutes, and um, I don't think the Rangers are going to be any better. I think they're going to be quite a bit worse because I don't see the two of them getting better, and I think the window effectively closes itself. And that's not to necessarily say that you give up on this year, but I do think that if you insert McElrath into the uh, 
into the lineup for, say, one of the two of them, I really don't think there's going to be that big of a short-term drop-off. And I don't think that there's going to be that big of a long-term drop-off. I think it's going to be actually much better. And if that forces Vigneault to play Yandel as a number one defenseman, well, then you should have been doing it from the beginning. So I understand your point. You, you never want to see a team that goes from the Stanley Cup final to the Eastern Conference final to, hey, we kind of don't know what's going on. But it, it wasn't too long ago when Vigneault made a comment to the media that he specifically said, once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. And that was not the New York Rangers mentality last year. And that was not the New York Rangers. Actually, I'm sorry. That was the New York Rangers mentality in 2014. And then they realized that they were better than that. And last year it was, we're in here for blood. We're going for the whole thing. We expect to win. And I don't feel that expectation from them this year. I really don't. So the Ryan McDonough injury throws a wrinkle in things. But I really think the Rangers should have had answers to these questions about Keith Yandel long before this. And I don't know if you've seen anything different. I have not seen any contract talks or anything. I think the two sides have touched base a couple of times, but I just don't know what the Rangers are going to do. And with say they're going for it in 2015 last year, I just get this sense that Gordon might do the same thing this year because they don't want to let the dream die. But when you do that and you don't get there, you do unbelievable damage to the future. And I just don't think the Rangers are in that type of position. They're going to be without a first-round pick for either four years in a row or four of the next five years. Um, They can choose to give Arizona this year's pick or next year's pick. So they'll make that decision Mm -hmm. based off of whether or not they make the playoffs or whatever happens. But it's very hard to retool without those first-round picks. And despite what people say, the Rangers have actually done a pretty good job with them of late. So I think the Rangers have a lot more problems on their hand. I mean, you and I can both agree that Miller is becoming much more expensive. And Kreider is probably going to be expensive too. And Hayes is going to deserve a raise. And these guys are going to get their money. And it's going to be tough even without the current salary cap restrictions that you have with Girardi and Stahl. So, I mean, if I were... The Rangers, I would be seriously considering the future because I agree with you. I don't think the Rangers can make it work with this group. And that's not to say that they can't do it. That's not to say they can't pull it off. I think the Rangers have played much better of late. But I do think that you need to be a little bit realistic with yourself, too, because if you play that game too many times, you're going to be left without any cards against the best. And that's just not the best strategy in the world. So... I mean, here's the other thing. No, the problem is the the other side of the coin is that you know, it's there are not that many Roberto Longos out there. There are a lot more Ryan Millers and you know goalies who, you know, once their groins start to go and you know once they lose that that quickness and all of a sudden you see great goalies become not great goalies and they have horrible contracts and. You know, like uh, the example I have is Roberto Luongo, just because he's he doesn't make sense in terms of what we know about, you know, durability and everything else. But it's also just kind of waiting for the shoot to drop, and he had, you know, he's just having a great year. He, you know, it's and so you look at that and you think of how much time Hank has left of being one of the league's best goalies, and you look inside the division. You know what what goalies are in the Metro? Uh, Schneider, the big one. who's Holtby, Schneider, both of those guys are, are in the top five in the league at least, and that's that's scary. And then there's Flurry, 
you know, it's it's uh, the the edging goaltending is great outside of the Metropolitan Division a lot of the time and a lot of a lot of time out of the conference because there's not a lot of great goalies in the West, but it's it's not a great scenario. You know, this doesn't. I don't see this working out. <laughs> I don't mean to be pessimistic. It's not. It's not. Wasn't my intent. But you know, it's this requires smart men and you know smart men and women who make decisions to to make good decisions here. And uh, you know, with with some of the decisions that we've seen, you know, over the past few years, it's it's un, it's understandable why there's a lot of anxiety about this. So. No, I don't right. know. If, yeah. No, go I, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to let all of you who are listening know the group chat has grown. Uh, when the show stops going live, I think it will in about 45 seconds, you're no longer going to be able to hear us. So Mike and I will probably go another couple of minutes. That extra time gets banked onto the archive version, which you'll have to download on iTunes, uh, which is fun because you all have to download us again and pad our numbers. It's the the uh, Tony method of podcasting. So uh, I want to just quickly thank all of you who joined in and dealt with our uh, little miscues in the beginning. Thank you so much for the support to this point. Uh, If we cut off, we really appreciate it, but make sure that you read the site, check us out tomorrow for a story on Keith Yandel, believe it or not. Um, Download and subscribe to us on iTunes, leave comments and ratings if you want and catch Mike. Which is all a scam to get downloads. Yeah. yeah, Today's lab shot. And, uh, the bluesharpanther.com slash riveters page. So uh, I'm pretty sure we just lost you, but um, yeah. So the kind of the very last thing that I, I just wanted to get into Mike, and uh, we don't really have to talk about it long. Cause I think this will be a topic that we're going to talk about next week, but the Dion Phaneuf trade happens and the Dustin Bufflin contract extension happens. And now there's nobody left on the trade market. If you're looking for an elite puck moving defenseman, not that Phaneuf was ever that, but obviously he was a yeah. guy who was available. Uh, Justin Schultz is supposed to be uh, apparently available in, in terms of the Oilers scratching him tonight and maybe him playing, or excuse me, maybe him being available for a trade. So there's definitely some moving pieces. But if you're the New York Rangers, Keith Yandel's value is never going to be higher than it is before the deadline anyway. But if a buying team is really looking for someone, they're going to pay a premium for him. And I guess we'll leave it with this so we don't run too far over. If I'm Jeff Gordon, I try to keep Yandel at all costs. But if I can't do that, and if I have a conversation with him and he looks at Bufflin's contract and he goes, I want that much money, then you need to maximize your value for him. So in your perfect world, what and happens? Stocks are covered with, with young players who can be something or already are something and, and or draft picks because it's, you know, you can alleviate a lot of the damage from the handle trade and the damage that we're going to see with what Duclair can be. And, you know, you, you, it's not like we can go out there and get an, another Duclair, but, you know, you can get a player who can help this team and you can get a young player who's, you know, if you look at, you know, look at what he what he is in analytics and both of the eye tests and most importantly, think about how he'll, click with the rest of the team and you know there are there are players who can fit this team that can be had and you know it's uh, would it suck to have to trade away Yandel yeah but you know if if you know if the Rangers approach him and he's either a unwilling to talk extension or what his realistic expectations are then 
you know, what, what choice is there? There's, I don't think there is a choice, especially if he's now essentially a lottery ticket. You know, it's what can he be? It's he can be bigger than than what we had to give away to get him, really. Right. So if, if he goes totally to agree. the right the right buyer. And I think that's something the Rangers need to explore. I mean, I agree with you. I'd, I'd prefer to keep him, but if it comes down to the point of keep him or lose him for nothing, I don't even think the Rangers could take that risk. So I don't know what Yandel's demands are. I don't know what he wants. There's a rumor going around that he doesn't want to stay in New York because of the way he's been mismanaged. There's a rumor that that rumor is false, so you really don't know. But, uh, again, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to take up too much time of this extra time, although this is the, the best plan ever to get people to have to download the podcast and subscribe to us on iTunes. So we will leave it off uh, for right now, and we will uh, catch you again next week, Tuesday at 8 o'clock. I think I like the 45-minute format right now as Mike and I kind of settle into things. As you can see, we still have some growing pain since we screwed up. I muted Mike in the beginning. but um, Did we screw up, Joe? Or I screwed you? up. I screwed up, yes. Uh, so, again, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, I love you, too. Uh, you can download us on blogtalkradio.com slash blueshirtbanter. You can follow us on there, too. Obviously, Mike and I will give you updates about the show throughout the week when we go through uh, on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. But And it will be available to listen to on the bottom of every single Blue Shirt Banter article in the must-read section. We're going to rotate between that one and Mike and Connor's Rink Around the Rosies podcast about the New York Riveters. So I am Joe Fortunato, managing editor of Blue Shirt Banter. You can find me at Blue Shirt Banter. Uh, I am joined by Mike, who is an editor of Blue Shirt Banter and the managing editor of BlueShirtBanter.com slash Riveters. Um, and thank you guys for joining. Again, the support was pretty overwhelming with the pilot episode. So we're hoping this is something you guys enjoy. And I hope my voice sounds a lot better with this new microphone than it did last time. Uh, uh, Mike, anything else you want to plug for yourself before we go? Uh, you can also catch um, general NHL articles, fantasy hard, hockey articles, and uh, NWHL articles over at Today's Slapshot, where I also have some of my writing up. But that's about it. Thanks for listening. Yeah, we don't talk about that because that's what the enemy, but we, uh, we will allow it. Um, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. We'll uh, see you tomorrow, I guess, with my Keith Yandel story. But hopefully we have better things to talk about next week. So, Thank you for joining. This is Bantering the Blue Shirts, the official New York Rangers podcast hosted by Blue Shirt Banter of SB Nation. Good night, and we will see you next week. Good night.